here we go. Let's go live. Okay. Wait for a few people to come in. And I'm now live. Good afternoon, everyone. Hopefully all is well here on this wonderful Tuesday in January, second full week. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. And I look forward to a very momentous opportunity with you this afternoon. So I'm here in the back of the office, right here. And for those of you on YouTube, thank you so much for using this opportunity as an archive moment to allow me to do this Tech Tuesday with all of you. Lil Sake, Dennis, greetings. Platform Garage, good afternoon. Demons San, okay, I think I missed you a little bit there. Demons and Company, good seeing you. Seattle's in the house, courtesy of the One Wheel Peel. <laughs> Dennis Picasso, says, I love you. Hello, Jeremiah from Type 2. Greetings, Dippin' Deep. Hope all is well, my brother. Jacob Volker, 97, hello. Funniest dude on Jay Leno says, Captain Alexander, I'll take that as a compliment. A lot of people go there and they're very boring. But I'd like to have a good time with Jay. Hello, Altered, good afternoon. Torx, hello. Mate, Mr. Morin Wood. Morning Wood, good seeing you as well. Interesting name. Hey, Speed Racer says, Pappy Shampoo, hello. Curtis Claimrock, hello. So much love here. Bradley, greetings. Ocean, hello. Jayner, GG, hello, sir. And thank you so much for joining us once again on another exciting episode of the Beast Motor Tech Tuesday. Also, you, Fab Racing from France. Good afternoon, R35. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Coconut Assassin et al. Appreciate all of you. And um, hello, buenos dias to you as well, Damaus. Hello, and I promised something today. I promised to talk about that vehicle right there, which is the Bissimoto Odyssey minivan, which was a vehicle that, no matter what I build, is the most popular vehicle that I've ever had the opportunity to build with the team. And above and beyond that, it is, and you beat me to it here, Dady. Um, thank you so much, H. Scott, says he loves my builds. Montreal is in the house, courtesy of Atelier Bohica. Thank you so much. So, talking about the Odyssey, why did I build a thousand horsepower front-wheel drive minivan. Why did I go crazy, build something even crazier? And what was that, was that all about? Hello, Dilling good, good Designs, talented chap, good seeing you. So here's what happened. Um, is it possible to integrate all-wheel drive in the Honda? Yes, it is, but here's the deal. We build cars as part of our business model for OEMs. So you see those cars you may see at SEMA, at some of the auto shows. It's part of our business model to build those cars. So this was a vehicle that we built for Honda, American Honda, it was, the fourth vehicle we built year after year for them. We started off initially with a CRZ, which is over there. We also did a, um, a 2012 Civic SI, which was amazing, the engine's over there. We also did a 2013 Accord for American Honda, and then this followed suit. Now, in the year when this was built in 2014, Honda didn't have a new model, which is really strange. They didn't have a new model to build that was exciting. The SI was already done the year before, you know, with us. Um, the Accord was something that was already in, in, in the marketplace. There was no new amazing build except for the new Odyssey. So since I love speed, I did a lot of racing and loved to go fast, but also had a growing family, we talked to a gentleman who was in marketing by the name of John Yoshinaga. And he, you know, we passed this idea, hey, why don't we combine our need for speed with a minivan? And let's go crazy. Since I had a lot of experience building inline four engines, why not do something exciting instead with a V6, which was my first, v that was my first V6 engine ever to build. So if we can do a thousand horsepower on an inline four, a V6 should be a lot of fun. Now the challenge is we all know that the gearbox is very weak. So if we're to build this, it definitely has to go manual, right? 
Now, American Honda wants us to build something that people can relate to. Hello, G DJ Ramarop. Good seeing you. Thank you, Water Cool Performance. I knew you liked that. Air cooled and water cooled. BC Moto, yes. So, that being said, since the manufacturers wanted us to keep something that was relatable to the car, which you'll notice that when we have OEM builds, look at these. We don't have any crazy body kits. We don't take away from the original lines that the manufacturer wanted. Even the interior, we retain the steering wheel to give that brand recognition. Why don't we do a manual gearbox, boosted V6, with a full standalone engine management, make it look as factory as possible, but make it this family-friendly, fast car. Now, here's the caveat. Because this car just came out, we only had seven weeks to build it from a stock burgundy minivan to what you see today. And that was a lot of work. So because of that, it was not possible to do an all-wheel drive. I had to stay front-wheel drive. It was almost impossible to even do what we did. As a matter of fact, I got sick building this car. This vehicle right here, literally, when you say blood, sweat, and tears, it happened. I, I remember before SEMA, I came to the office on a Friday and didn't leave till Monday. I literally didn't go home, didn't shower, nothing. And we had so many problems. This was the most expensive and the most difficult car for me to build at the time. Imagine trying to have a brand new ECU like an AM Infinity and getting this started for the first time with a timing pattern that no one even knew about. So it's crazy, right? And doing that with a 72 millimeter turbo from Turbinetics that had never been done in an engine like this before. It was an integrated exhaust manifold so we didn't have three ports per each half of the cylinders or the engine. Imagine having custom rods which came and they were not straight so we had to go back and get them redone. So also imagine this. The first set of rods we had made, because we had to make it in two weeks, they rubbed their hands together and said, you know what, we're gonna make some money off this guy. So it ended up being pretty expensive. It was very, very challenging. Imagine some of the guys who were supposed to help us with it even was so frustrated, abandoned the project. So I had a part of this that had to be done by a very popular person that does some very interesting components for cars. And I got so frustrated because it was so much going on in such a short period of time, he abandoned it. So I had to, yes, like you said, Epic Rider, Team No Sneep, I had to kill myself to figure out that component and get it started. And this is the first time and last time I ever did this. I actually put it on a dyno, did not do any partial throttle tuning, did full throttle only, got the number and sent it to SEMA with my good friend John. So what happened? It idled like crazy because I didn't have time to even get the idle down and the partial throttle. So it kind of room, room, room into the convention center. Full throttle was great. We had a dyno chart on the windshield, which is great. And it was just so much, it was crazy. But thanks so much to my friends at Trom, to the guys at Gonigo for busting their butt, making it happen. Thank you so much for SOS Customs for making it go crazy. Air Ride came to our rescue, did my first bag system on this, which is great. 1552 got the custom wheels done. Toyota tires delivered the tires. It was a great project. And AEM for being there for me to allow me to go crazy with their ECU and do things it wasn't designed to do. Thank you for your support and allowing me to do that. 1,000 horsepower to the wheels, not to the crank. To the crank a lot more. V6s are very, very, very easy to make power on compared to smaller displacement inline 4s, that is. So I come from a world where we do 700 horsepower inline 4s at a 1.6 liter. I come from a place where we can do K24s and get 1,000 horsepower. V6 is not bad at all. The bad challenge with this is, as you can see, I don't know if you guys can see that, but on the side of the car, there's a lot of rubbish on the side, like right there, a lot of rubber. This thing has no traction. Because it's front-wheel drive and we're on R888Rs, which are pretty wide at 285s, but it doesn't hook. So on a highway, high speed, it is sick. But from a dig, the thing just spins and spins and spins and spins and spins. <laughs> so that's the thing. So what are some of the components that make this tick? And I'll talk to you about it right now because I got a lot of questions about 
what components are in this. So let's start from the top and go to the bottom. And then we'll get to your questions, because I promise to do this. So, starting from the very top, the heart of the beast, a turbocharger, right? Right now, we did something a little more efficient. We started off with a 72 millimeter turbinetics, but now it has a 6968 precision billet, which is a pretty nice ball bearing. All vibrant components are what we use for fabrication. So, we have the stainless steel manifold going from each bank and merging to one to feed the turbine. We have a three inch, which quickly goes to a four inch downpipe going to a burn stainless muffler. It runs an E85 and also 91, so it's flexible fuel opportunity. Has an AM Infinity on it. Above and beyond that, Rywire did the harness. Then, let's go to internals of the engine. It has a BC model level 2.4 camshaft, BC model spec springs. The pistons are Trom 9 to 1. We have these bespoke aluminum, not aluminum, I used to have aluminum, but steel rods in it as well. Factory crankshaft. We broke it in with Purell um, SAE30, and it runs 5W30 oil. Yes, my clearances are very factory, so I didn't need to run a crazy thick oil, and the Purell gives me the protection I need. Above and beyond that, the valves are factory, and Portflow did the headwork on it to give me the valve job, which is pretty great. I have a slightly modified oil pump, so I shimmed it slightly to give me a little bit more pressure, and opened up the passages that took out all the deburring on the, on the oil pump itself. Um, the clutch on it is a spec aluminum stage five centered iron clutch. Now you can get access to twin disc, but at the time, since it was a new setup, a twin disc couldn't be designed, so it was a centered iron. Pretty heavy, but that thing grips, even with very low pedal pressure, which is amazing. Speaking of pedal, we now have a six-speed gearbox from an Acura TL Type S with also the factory LSD, but the individual gears are straight cut from HRD. Um, Honda Racing, HRD, Honda Racing Development, and they're out in Ohio. Thank you so much for that, guys. And I'm also running Pure MTF in it as well. We used a mismatch of uh, components for the axles. So on the axle side, I used the factory axles for the Odyssey, but the inners of the TL Type S, so that works. So the outer is the same as factory for the year, but the inner that goes in the gearbox is one from the TL Type S. Then, let's see what else is exciting here. Um, in, I, to create opportunity for venting, I have, um, or for the piping, I removed the battery and put it into the front bumper, which is pretty nice. In the interior, above and beyond the racing seat that for babies that you may see from Recaro, SOS interior knocked this out of the park. They're in Oceanside, they did a good job with the interior and made it very, very nice as well. And the key thing about the interior is it was so nice that Honda was so excited that they put it in their showroom. Our vehicle, that vehicle, was the first non-Honda as in they didn't build it in-house, a tuner vehicle that was ever in their headquarters in Torrance. So that was pretty nice, you know? Um, I see Adding Good wants to walk around the engine bay. Let's do that. Since I'm also filming for YouTube, it'd be hard for me to carry both cameras. So we'll do a walk around after we get out and come back. So that being said, um, let's see what else. Oh, pedals. I have a CNC pedal assembly, which allows me to actuate the clutch. I changed the large brake pedal, which was for automatics, into a manual one from an Accord. And I run factory ignition coils on this as well. Um, I have a lot of safety stuff built into the protocol for tuning. So I have everything from closed O2 feedback to closed loop feedback per cylinder to monitor knock. So I defined for 720 degrees of rotation what window exists for each cylinder. And I assigned each cylinder ignition for that and monitoring of ignition using the two knock sensors that exist in the V of the engine. So what happens is if I have a bad batch of gas or a very hot day or something happens where I ping in one cylinder, it doesn't kill all the power in the engine. It addresses that one cylinder, adds fuel, and retards timing accordingly 
to allow me to stay safe. So I do that with tuning. Above and beyond that, I have oil pressure fail safes in it. So my oil pressure goes low, it'll shut down the engine, bring the idle. Fuel pressure fail safes as well. So when it goes on the fuel system, it'll add fuel and keep me safe. I have a boost protocol as well, anti-lag, launch control, all the fun stuff, which is pretty cool, you know? Um, I think Good says he sees a lot of opinions on what the best J-Series engine and what are my thoughts. So here are my thoughts. In my opinion and what I've seen, the J32 and the J35s with individual three ports are very good for NA setups. Anything that integrated assists, or I should say integrated exhaust manifolds, like what I have here on the Earth Dreams engine, it's perfect for boost. You can put a turbo right on the edge of that if your engine bay allows you that capability. If you have limitations like what we have at space here, you can definitely very easily merge into one and go to a single turbo or have twin turbos very nicely. So it takes away the complexity of a very clever exhaust manifold. So for boosting, I like integrated heads. Above and beyond that, this has all creature comfort. So everything from the reverse camera to the side light to air conditioning, power steering, everything works on this like factory. So you can definitely take it, give it to someone like Jay Leno, he can drive it and enjoy as he's going fast, which is pretty cool. What oil do you recommend for a boosted JDM B16 is what S. Robles asked. Now, if your bearing clearances, which is the key element there, is within factory spec, in a boosted application, I'd run Purell 10W40. So, Purell 10W40 will be the one to run. Um, I'll show it to you right now. I'm gonna grab that real quick. This is what I recommend, that right there. So it has a red bottle, and that's it. And it's compatible with both methanol and E85, which is pretty cool. Um, do you build motors for the Honda Odyssey? Yes, I do. So that one was the first one ever built. And we built that as far back as 2014, so it's been active for a good six years. Uh, with me driving like crazy, with me giving it to Top Gear to drive, um, doing television shows with it, um, giving it to um, uh, Matt Farah from Drive TV, uh, Spike Frenson from, sorry, car going by, Spike Frenson from Esquire Network. Um, it's been beat up like crazy and it's still original motor. So if you choose the right parts, protect with the right lubricants, have a proper tune, you can have a high horsepower engine that drives beautifully and can last for a very, very, very long time. This engine has over 28,000 miles on it, which is pretty crazy. Um, being able to bolt the turbo directly onto the head, will we see twin turbo straight mounted J35, maybe a, a S2000? Now that would be amazing Grand Tour. I agree with you. So um, adding good, that would be fantastic, especially if you get a turbo that is internally gated, so it makes things very simple for you, or you can do external gate, that's why I did on the wagon. So imagine you on the wagon, on the wagon I have now, the K24, it has a short manifold about that long, and right on top, a gate, a, a port for a wastegate, which makes things very easy. So you can do that. So space allows you to, by all means, and it spools, I spool a 72 millimeter turbo like that. When Jay Leno drove that thing, he couldn't believe it. He's like, this thing is awesome. It's like a bar stool, but a really, really fast bar stool. He was racing people and having fun. It was great. Um, DJ, you picked up a 2014 Tundra. Nice. I'll see what can wake up. And let me give that some thought. I may have to put some pen to paper and see what we can do there. That car will be forever beast motor car. Some cars do that for companies. Yeah, you're right, Deling. It's like, it's one of the cars that I may end up keeping my arsenal forever. And the fact that Mattel was kind enough to immortalize this as a Hot Wheel, man, that thing, it, 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 it made me so excited, which is great, you know? Um, what in your opinion is the best first mod on a car? Exhaust, <laughs> like, I'm serious. 
there's so much energy that is utilized by a factory system to push exhaust gases out that whenever you can relieve that pressure, that energy is now available for you to move forward. So exhaust, number one, first. Intake next, and then if your capability is there, a flash. And I did that even on the Veloster. So there's a Veloster end I have that I drove today, quickly become my daily driver. That's Hyundai's answer to the Type R. The first thing I did was exhaust, and I gained, I bless you not, almost 20 wheel from just an exhaust modification. That's how much the engine wanted to breathe. So I'm gonna release a lot of data with that. I'm talking to some of my friends next week on what we can do and share our journey with the Veloster N, and very soon I'll share that journey with each and every one of you. What's boots creep, says Alex HKS? That's a great question. Yesterday, I experienced a car that, experienced, that had that. So, let's talk about boots creep. I wish I had a manifold here to really share, share that with you. But I'll use my hands and let's see if we can figure that out very easily together. So, here is what happens with a turbocharged system. You have a turbocharger which has a compressor side which goes to the intake, an exhaust side which goes to the exhaust manifold. So, what happens is the exhaust that's created from the engine during combustion goes into the turbine and turns this turbine blade which is directly called to the compressor blade which then pushes air into the engine. So you have exhaust gases turning a blade, that blade turns another blade, and that puts air in. And then when you put more air in the engine, it creates more exhaust, and it keeps going and going and going, and your boost increases until one or two things happen. You evacuate some of that exhaust gas to keep boost at a certain level, or you expire the engine because the turbo will over rev, or the engine may not take a much and blow up. So the wastegate, as the name implies, is a gate that wastes exhaust gases to keep your turbine blade from spinning at a certain RPM. And that certain RPM or speed that it spins, it keeps a fixed boost level. Now, what if your wastegate is not up to the task? Or what if your wastegate is placed in a location where your exhaust gases do not do a good job of being evacuated properly? Well, then you get boost creep. Now, how does that happen? You've seen those exhaust manifolds on inline fours where they merge together, and the wastegate is placed right near the merge. So where two exhaust pipes are evacuating and the other two don't go out the gate, what happens is two pipes, two of the four pipes, gets wasted. But the two other pipes keep pushing on the turbine and causing the turbine to keep spinning faster and faster. So when you look at your boost curve, it's not a flat, let's say, 10 PSI. It starts off at 10, it starts creeping up to 12, 13, 14, 15. That is creep where you have an inefficient wastegate environment. Either that your wastegate is not good or big enough to evacuate the gases, or more times than never I see on a dyno, is where you have an inefficient system where you're only evacuating a few and not all of the exhaust gases from your exhaust stream. So I hope that helps. Would you ever consider building a Mitsubishi Evo 4 wide-body rally car with a 3000 GT VR engine swap, VR4 engine swap? Yes, I would, Ultimate JDM. But here's a caveat. For me to be able to build the Hondas, the Fords, the Dodges, the Nissans, the Toyotas, I can only do that with the help of the OEM. So what does that mean? Yes, I'll be able to do that if Mitsubishi and Bishimoto had a contract together where we built cars, because they help really offset some of the great costs and help us tremendously with technology. So until that grandest grand day comes, I don't think you'll see much from us. So forgive me, please. 
Does the Civic Shuttle have a viscous coupler? Says that Glick Croc. No, not mine. So it's right here next to me. Um, so forgive me on YouTube, but you guys can see it. But I'm going to turn this around here. And uh, right uh, there. There you go. So, <laughs> sorry guys, I was trying to do that and the tripod was digging into me. Anyway, the wagon's right there. So what it has in place of a viscous coupler are these very clever mechanisms with clutch plates. So those clutch plates exist inside the rear end. So instead of having a viscous coupler that typically exists in the, amid the drive shaft, and what that does allows you to turn the vehicle and disengage the front and rear and have you not drag all four wheels at all time to help with efficiency and fuel economy. It has a very clever system in the back that locks up clutches, almost similar to a viscous coupler, but a very different design in the rear of the differential. If you do go on YouTube and you watch the show that I did with Jay Leno, I explained it in much more detail than that. Um, if I wanted to make a 4.0 liter Cayman, can I use a stock block or do I need an M38 lit as a start? So Think Tank LLC, um, yes, you've been here before. I don't know if we discussed that before, but it is possible to use your original engine, but you will have to sleeve it and go with a stroker crank. So we've done, we've taken, <laughs> you'll find this interesting, V6s in an NSX, like that's an NSX, right, that I'm pointing at. We've taken a V6 like that that are 3.0 and made them 3.8. And how do we do that? We sleeve the block, slightly increase the cross-sectional area of the cylinder, so we went to a bigger bore, and then did a custom crankshaft to get the stroke. And we got 3.8, and they were able to get the engines to make well over 330 to the wheels and do that through a catalyst and being street legal. How cool is that? Passing all California emissions. Crazy, huh? So it is possible. You can use your original engine, which I think yours is bigger than a 3.0, and you can get there. What's the difference between the D15Z6 and the D16Z6 apart from the extra 100cc? Um, the camshaft profile. So not only are the camshafts slightly different, the lobe separation, the center lines between intake and exhaust are different. Apart from that, the castings in the head, I have not seen any differences in them. What are your thoughts of the NB Mazda Miata? Awesome. The NB is probably the most fun I've had in a low horsepower car in my life. Those cars are so much fun, so balanced, but you know what? An NB would be absolutely heaven if it was 400 wheel horsepower, huh? Like that area atom, see that area atom right there? That thing made 407 horsepower last night here in a dyno, so you can see a dyno vid on YouTube if you go on there, it's pretty cool. Hello, Danny GSR, good seeing you. Let's pin the diff, says ITB Kevin, and I want to, Kevin. I may do even something crazier than that. But I want to see the limitations of this. It's just I'm so behind on work. Even me coming here, it's a nice vacation for me to talk to all of you, my family. But man, I am behind. I have that to work on, and that to work on, and this to work on, and that to work on, and that, and that, and that. That's, oh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven cars I have to finish working on in the next week. <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty crazy. And I'm going to Phoenix on Friday. Um, Build or the R&D S15 spec S camshaft exhaust manifold and such. I kind of need more input than that, Nick, because I don't quite understand your question. You know, how does that AO drive after the VC2? Now, what do you work on with Honda or Ariel on that one? Well, that's a great question. So, instead of being a project car from Ariel or Honda, that is a customer's car. That's a physician, a physician customer of mine, 
who's, who lives in Orange County, very affluent place in Southern California, and I kind of fear for him. I mean it. That car came in making 316 to the wheels with the original tune from Ariel. And what was interesting is that the tune, even at 7, maybe 8 PSI, making 316 was okay. But in my opinion, the fuel ratios were kind of lean. So there were 13.0 areas, 12.6 areas. I'm talking about AFR uh, to 1. And that's really lean for a setup like that that would be road race. So now it's at a lot more comfortable 11.8 to 1 in boost. And just by updating this to an AM Infinity and doing a tune, at the same boost level, we got to 326 and a lot more, like another four, 14 or 18 foot pound, pound foot of torque. And then when I started playing around with boost control, got it to 408 wheel horsepower. And this thing is... I don't want to drive, I will not drive that thing. See that? I will not drive that area item. I won't do it. The customer is going to come in about an hour to pick up his car. I'm going to do a prayer for him. <laughs> and that's it. I am not driving that. It is scary. Imagine, to the crank, that's like 550 horsepower to the crank. A little bit over 550. And in a car that weighs less than 1,000 kilos, way less than 1,000 kilos, that thing may even weigh... 600 kilos for I know. Scary, huh? Any advice on learning how to tune a vehicle successfully, says Kevin11117. Yes. So do what I did. Get a vehicle, one that you probably care about, um, and learn. YouTube is a great resource, but above and beyond that, even when you've played around with your own vehicle, attend classes like EFI 101. That's what I did with Ben Strader and his team. Um, those guys are very, very good. And even as a seasoned tuner, I learned a lot. And sometimes you have companies like AEM or Howtech that put together small seminars, attend them and read as much as you can. But the best thing is to practice on your own car, not on customers' cars, on your own. And that's the way to do it. Is that an NSX NA or ITB? Neither one, Targa. That is a supercharged NSX. Oh, you're late? Don't feel bad, Marky Mark. I was uh, four minutes tardy because my camera right here I'm filming with for YouTube the battery just died on me right when I booted it up. So now I'm charging it as I'm filming with you guys. So I'll be able to put this up on Beast Motor YouTube page. And if you're not subscribing, please go there, subscribe, and click on the cool bell, turn it gold, and it gives you notifications every time I put something up, like the cool thing I put up today, you know? Uh, Mr. Deuce says he sent me an email. I have to go through it. I get, it's so crazy. I get maybe, on average, 120 emails a day. And then on Instagram, I get another 90, 80 to 90 DMs. It's tough. I stay up really late at night, and I try to get to all of them. So have some patience. I try my best. Is your K-Swap wagon ARB compliant? No. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, 47 horsepower. What motor? Ah, Marky Mark, that is a K24Z7 engine. The same engine that I used in the 2012 Civic that we bought from American Honda, same engine that I'm using in the wagon. What's my favorite ECD tune? I would say by far the AM Infinity because it offers me all the features that you may see in a Motec without the cost and the need to pay to up unlock functions. Plus, the processing speed is ridiculous. It's had like 400 MIPS and allows me to do a great job in tuning. I'm, I'm serious, guys. Like that Aero Atom has the same thing I have on the Odyssey. It has 
closed loop boost function. It has knock control based upon per cylinder. It has the capability for flex fuel that's based not only upon, oh, check this out. I can control boost with an AM Infinity based upon ethanol content. So if you have full E85, 85%, if you have 90% ethanol, you can have full boost. And as you continue to dilute it and have less and less ethanol, the ECU automatically notice that and then reduce the boost to keep you safe. How cool is that? It's amazing, isn't it? It allows me to do cool things in terms of closed loop O2 function where it can slow down its feedback when at idle so you don't have a hunting idle. And then when you're in boost or high RPM, it's very fast and rapid in correcting. It has all these cool fail safes where you know some people, you, you build a car for a customer and they start up and start revving it right around when it's cold and that can really hurt an engine? With Infinity, you can put together a protocol where you can limit RPM based upon coolant temp. So if you have a customer who knows really a, a bad, bad person that misbehaves and very irresponsible, you can limit RPM, like you can limit to 3,000 RPM when it's really, really cold. And then as the engine warms up, it can go all the way up to redline to keep the engine safe for your customer. It's so cool. What are your plans for the EV Porsche? Does it have torque vectoring? No, it doesn't have torque vectoring. My plan is to do a lot of racing. So right now, we have these very experimental LG Chem batteries that are air-cooled. I want to see how far we can get away with long-term, high horsepower, high spirited driving activity before the, te the temperatures get a little bit interesting. And then if it's not enough, I'll start involving some liquid cooling into the battery system. But right now, my goal is to get a lot. I'm doing some modifications to the wing already to help me with some aesthetics and also downforce. And after that, we're going to have a lot of fun. Invictus! Yes, I'll be in Phoenix. I will be at the, oh, this Friday, and feel free to come by. I will be at the Scottsdale event for, um, uh, oh, what am I doing blanks here? Ah, uh, sorry. I will be at the um, Barry Jackson event. And we have a nice panel that talks about the future of mobility and where the industry is going in terms of high performance activity when it comes to cars. So if you have the capability of being there at Barry Jackson in Scottsdale, come on down. I'll be there speaking from 10 to probably noon. Most likely 10 to 11, but these things tend to go longer. So I'll be in Phoenix briefly. I bet you are Epic Rider. Thank you so much. <laughs> Let's see. One of the auctions? Yes, I'll be at the auctions, Victor. Absolutely. Please do. Um, so, Susan, I answered your question. So many great questions here. Oh, my God, I'm missing so much. Um, thank you. Serge once says, hello, that's an interesting accent. I am Nigerian from West Africa. Came here to study engineering and ended up staying. Okay, we'll see you there, by all means. I look forward to meeting you. Indeed, Victus. Why do you think uh, the interest for the F20C is not as high as the B&K? And in good, I can answer that question for you very easily. Cost. Cost is the reason why, because the F20C is an amazing engine, way ahead of its time. Look at even something as simple as a cam gear setup in that. You don't have any timing, weird timing belts that can stretch on that. Look at the head ports. Look at how much power you can make on a stock engine. I had a gentleman come here yesterday on pump gas, make 460 wheel horsepower on an F20C. I have another gentleman in San Diego who made close to 600 wheel. 85. Stock motor. Amazing engine, but they are very expensive. So that's the reason why, especially when you compare it to, let's say, a K24Z7, which is in that. So that's the reason why, you know? 
Oh, yes, I look forward to the good weather indeed, Invictus. Can you do a lot of functions with Hondata? What are the pros and cons of Hondata versus AEM? Adlier, I would love to, you know, I like the Hondata setup indeed, I do. And that came in with a Flash Pro. But no, I cannot do that. So let's talk about, for example, Mr. Uh, Morningwood. Um, uh, I will bring it to festival speed. I will, Mr. Morningwood, bring that to festival speed, absolutely. So Adlier, if I wanted to do Flex Fuel on Flash Pro, do you want to know how I can do it? Here's what Flash Pro has. It has the capability for you to use, let's say, an output like a secondary coolant sensor or secondary O2 or something available to be able to use that input. But you can only do a global ignition timing increment. What does that mean? You can only add X amount of timing globally. You can say, oh, give me three degrees of timing for the entire map based upon ethanol content. With the AM Infinity, I can have a full, whole new table, multiple tables, where I can do a full ethanol tune and another table to interpolate. So I can be able to reference both my gasoline and ethanol full tune for anything in between. I can do that with a Flash Pro. Let's talk about boost-dependent capabilities. If I tune a setup on E85 on a, on a Flash Pro, I cannot change the boost threshold if you go to 91. So if your max boost on 91 is 7 PSI, and I can't do any more than that, and I tune 85, I can go up to 12 PSI. If you go and put 91, there's no way I can change the boost down automatically. While with Infinity, I can do that. With Infinity, I have full capability of being able to designate boost based upon ethanol content. Now let's talk about air intake temperatures. Same thing. I can control boost you know, based on air intake. If that engine ever sees intake temperatures above 100, it pulls four degrees of boost out, I mean four pounds of boost out of it. I can't do that with Hondata. Let's talk about knock. Individual cylinder trim of knock based upon RPM and load, I can do an infinity, I cannot. So Hondata is very, very good. It's a very good, elegant hack into a factory ECU and it has a lot of cool functions. But when it comes to ultimate in fail safes, you can't beat the AM Infinity. Hope that helps. Hello, Ken Show. Good seeing you indeed. Joel, thanks for the love. Would the F20C between charged be a good swap for EG Civic Hatch because it's a dream swap? It would be a really fun project. Now, the cool thing about a twin charge is that you have the capability of being able to incorporate the advantages of a supercharger and a turbo. So you can have absolutely no lag and be able to have high horsepower that you may see from a turbo setup. The only caveat there is complexity. So you can have a lot of complex fabrication there and a lot more systems that you need to be able to pay attention to to make sure it runs right all the time. That's about it. Me, when I want no lag, I kind of do EV stuff. <laughs> My pleasure indeed. I'm here to help, Serge One. You don't have ethanol in Canada. Seems a flexible system of protection. Yes, it is. So here's another thing that you could do. You could use water methanol. So that's what this NSX has. It has 91 and water methanol. That's why I have my blue Porsche as well. The very first Porsche I ever built were, was an AEM water meth kit, and it has a fail-safe function. So if your controller goes out or your tank goes empty of water methanol, you can send a signal to the ECU, to AM Infinity, and then in turn will also retard timing and add a bunch of fuel or even initiate a boost cut or ignition cut to let you know, hey, something's wrong. So you can do that. 
Fail safes are great. That's why you can get engines to last long. Things happen. I mean, I remember there was a time where the Genesis died built for Hyundai. Um, I think one of the guys was driving it aggressively into a parking lot at Hyundai in Orange County and went over a speed bump and then fractured, I think it was the, I had kind of a low hanging, that was totally my fault. I had a low hanging fuel filter and fractured it and it leaked fuel. But you know what? It leaked fuel and the fuel pressure dropped immediately, but the A-Infinity automatically changed the VE settings in the ECU and gave me fuel to keep him safe to take him upstairs. And this only when we stopped and we saw this puddle, he had no idea, the car was just running beautifully. But he didn't see the dash warning light that comes on. It's kind of weird, you know? Egyptian technician, doesn't K-Pro have the same fail-safe? Not all the fail-safes indeed. It does not have the one that allows me to do any cool things about boost based upon air temp. Also doesn't allow me to have a unique knock protocol per cylinder and allow me to address each cylinder for fuel and ignition if knock is initiated based upon RPM and load. Does not have that capability. So don't get me wrong, I tune all of them, they're all great systems. The K-Pro is great, especially if you have an extremely limited budget. But when you want to begin and end the mine and you want the ultimate protection for your engine, whether you have street applications that are allowed in your vicinity or definitely something that you do off-road, you can't beat the capabilities of the A-Infinity. It's just an amazing system. I love it. And that's why I'm able to take a car that had K-Pro from, what was that, 316 wheel to 407 with more safety parameters than ever. Hello, 67YNAM. Hello, NA flat six. Good seeing you. I want to go water math in my K20 Kraftwerk supercharger. And you should, Egyptian. And here's a, here is a little tidbit I can provide you. Get two nozzles. Get two small nozzles. Cover around 250 to maybe 300 cc's. Put one post-supercharger and one pre-supercharger. And I'll tell you the reason why. The post-supercharger will do a great job in allowing you to really cool down your intake charge and allow you to get away with a lot more timing, a lot more boost safely, and make more power. The pre-supercharger will lubricate your veins and allow you to build a lot more boost and allow you to have less of an aggressive, you know that chatter in superchargers, that weird chatter, it takes it away, and allows you to lubricate your veins for a lot longer life, which is pretty cool, you know? Hello, MEV Wiring, good seeing you. Yes, Joel, I love water methanol as well. Any updates on MR2? As I said to you, ending good, I don't even have time to even spend time with my family. I'm constantly working. I have, that MR2 is right here in those doors. I have not touched it. Because between now and the end of the month, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven cars to finish. So the MR2 is nothing I can touch anytime soon. I'm really, really behind. The team and I really have a lot on our hands. What are the cons of a supercharged K20A? Well, here are some of the challenges. You have a fixed boost curve. So even though you have the great advantage of being able to have absolutely no lag when sized properly, the fact that you have no capability of being able to massage and build a beautiful, like on that car, boost per gear or boost per speed, is a bit of a challenge. So imagine you're making 400 wheel on your K28 supercharged. You have 400 wheel in first gear, second gear, third gear, fourth gear. Now you can do some clever things with putting a, like a wastegate on the intake, but that adds more complexity. Here's something else. On supercharges, you take energy to create energy. Meaning, instead of a turbocharged system where you're using exhaust gases and heat and radiation to spin a turbine wheel, which is almost wasted energy to some extent, 
On a supercharger, you're actually using crank power to turn the compressor. Many superchargers consume as much as 80 horsepower just in turning the blower, which is a challenge. So that being said, here are some of my thoughts on the supercharger versus turbocharger. If you have an engine bay where heat can be a challenge, where you can melt fuse boxes and batteries and so on and so forth, supercharger may be the way to go. Or if you have the type of driving where you cannot do away with absolutely no lag, you may want a supercharger because it feels like a large natural aspirated setup. But if you want the flexibility and ability to be able to have a lot of fun, change power, do boost per gear, do wonderful things, and have that wonderful freaking turbo sound that's just intoxicating, turbocharging is amazing. AJ, good seeing you, AJ. I have to call you because, um, well, I was told to do one more test in your car. So AJ's car is one of the cars I have to take care of before the month end. And if I can find that solution, I may have one more thing to do. We may have a pinpointed issue. We may find, we may have find a solution, but I'll let you know. Why have you not built an S2000? I didn't um, add in good. That was before you knew me. So when I was at the old facility, I've been here for almost four years now. When I was at the old facility across the street, 1916, I had a silver S2000 that I ended up painting BC Motor Blue that I built. And as I was building it, a customer came in, saw it, and bought it from me. Said, I want it. He actually worked at Pep Boys down the street. So I want your car. And made me an offer, and I sold it to him. I will call you, AJ, absolutely. Uh, D16, isn't a good swap? You should use a D17. Uh, Ultimate JDM tuners, based on my experience for aftermarket support, and especially with the oiling, the D16 Z6 is a very, very good engine to use. How much does it cost to get 600 in a B16 H22 or K20A? Well, I can tell you one thing. Rods are pretty much the same price. So if you look at, for example, the BCMO website, our rods are like 300 bucks or so. Pistons are very similar. It hovers in the 500 range. So that doesn't change. Where things get a little more expensive is when you, if you're doing a swap. So a B16, obviously an EG is much easier because the mounts are much more cost effective and the gearbox is not as expensive as an H22 or K20A. So to get 600 horsepower, if you're just talking about the core, not talking about the swap and the harnesses and the engine management and the transmissions and all the other things, you can literally factory camshafts, springs retainers, pistons, rods, and I would sleeve, because I do, because I don't want cinders fracturing or having any kind of rubbish going on with them. They pretty much all cost the same. Any updates to the 190E Mercedes, just like the K20? I'm sorry, MR2? 190 is right there, sitting there. Have not had a chance to touch it. Have a lot of projects. My customers come first, unfortunately. So I come second, customers first. Even my electric vehicle is just sitting here with no deck lid because I'm taking care of all my customers' cars. Kevin says, we need to go to the track. I haven't gone to the track to even have fun because customers first. The little time I have to even do anything, I'm traveling to Phoenix to do a panel with Barry Jackson. S2000 to 400, 500 horsepower on a stock engine? Yes. So yesterday, yes, in, and I'm gonna post that video probably tomorrow. 461 wheel horsepower on a bone stock S2000. And that is an AP2 setup, has a Turbonetics 72 millimeter turbo as well, on 91, on Cape, no, no, Flash Pro actually, 1,000cc um, injectors, EV14 injectors, upgraded fuel pump, custom single scroll turbo manifold, turbo smart wastegate blow off, B16 
BKR8EIX spot plugs gapped at 0.023 and did that at, it's kind of, the manifold design was kind of weird, talking about creep, it kind of creeped a little bit, but it creeped a little bit close to, I would say, almost 13 PSI. It did that. Emmy VY says, I need more staff. Yes, but it's hard to find good people. <laughs> but um, here's the thing. There is one thing I did notice. I'll be completely honest with you guys. We do exist in the Honda world, honestly. And I do a lot with my Porsche brothers and sisters as well. But if you want to make a lot of money and hire a ton of people, this is not the kind of business. This is more of a passion business. I do this because I love it, not because I want to make tons of money. This is not the best way to make lots of money. I really enjoy and love what I do. And that's why I'm here. That's why I'm talking to you with you guys, because I'm trying to give back and get what I never had before. You're great with a broom, and I just may need your help, because it's kind of, look at this floor. It's actually kind of dusty. See that? <laughs> I make a coffee. Coffee's good, too, because I stay really late here, and I'm working here every day, including weekends. Oh, my God. Sounds good, Yasin. I look forward to help. Hello, Efren. Good seeing you. It is true. If I, honestly, guys, if I wanted to, let's say I wanted to take full advantage of my chemical engineering background, I should really make drugs. <laughs> okay, I'm not even talking about illegal ones, okay, which I would make even more money. But uh, my background is in pharmaceuticals, and I should just make, create a pharmaceutical company. I can create really cool drugs and hire a team of peers and engineers and chemists and make a lot more money. And I'll be able to do crazy things and have better cars than these even. Because I love cars. But my passion is not in pharma. My passion is in things automotive. So I'm excited about what I do. And I'm very happy with what I do. And, but I cannot go underwater um, with what I love. It's not a good deal, you know? You're right. Efren says this is a job. You love what you, you, love what you do, and you won't feel like work. You're absolutely correct. So I'm here every day. I don't feel like I get up in the morning like, Oh, I gotta go to work. Ah, oh my goodness, I hate this. No, I'm up Saturday morning, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I go work out for an hour, take a shower, throw on some clothes, at 7 a.m. I'm at the office. Many times by myself. Sometimes Marvin comes by. Once in a while, I've even had times where Albert came by. I think Lindsay just walked in once. It's great, you know? Can I do a build with Craig Lieberman? I know Craig. I don't know what he's building. I've known Craig since the Nobi days. Great guy. I like him a lot. You know? Thank you, Legion. I am following my passion. Trust me, it's tough. The kind of business we're in has lots of ups and downs. You know, you have months where it's like just feast. I have months where there's famine. And I'm fortunate to have great partners in the industry and great OEM manufacturers that love what we do. And you guys who are my family to also support me as well. It's great. But I'm, trust me when I tell you, this is not the market to become a baller. It's not. It just isn't. This is something that you do because you love it and your passion makes, me ha makes you happy. And maybe one day I wake up and say, you know what, enough is enough. I just need to make some real money and stop goofing around. But I really, I really love it, you know? Can you reply to my DM, says Mr. Tenjen. I'll try my best, sir. I get over 80 DMs a day. And I spend hours going through them. There are times I've gone to sleep at 2 a.m. responding to many of you. And if I haven't gone to you, forgive me, but I get so many. So I'm trying. I really keep trying to respond to them. I promise. I'll try and dig you up. Send me again so you can go to the top. Can you show us around the shops and cars you have, please? Okay, so tell you what. Birmingham Outlaws has a great question. So why don't we 
cease here with the Tech Tuesday. He's going to cut me off anyway. I'm getting a warning. And why don't I come back in and let's walk around. I'll show you some of the projects we have here. And some of them are in uh, completed states. Some are in states that are not quite completed yet. Others are in a state of where we're trying to update them as well. So let's do that. So I'm going to come out and we'll come back in. Talk to you guys soon. See you soon. Take care, guys. Cheers.